Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Five o'clock hour, live on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Column from Philadelphia Inquirer columnist Marcus Hayes. They love him. Eagles losing Jonathan Gannon will hurt even more than Shane Steichen. That's the headline. Marcus Hayes. Marcus Hayes. He writes, most will delight that Jonathan Gannon stayed in Arizona to coach the Cardinals. This is exactly the opposite of how Eagles fans should feel. Losing Gannon isn't just bad news for the Eagles. It's catastrophic. Lurie and Roseman know it. An NFL source familiar with the Eagles told Marcus Hayes on Tuesday, quote, Shane's a good coach. Talking about Shane Steich in the OC. But Jonathan Jonathan Gannon's a star. He's smart, and his defense was really good this year. It was like the Eagles had two head coaches. Okay, I want to take a different approach to this now, right? I want to take a different approach. I'm just going to go in chronological order. Marcus Hayes' Twitter account. He posts the article. First guy, hack article from a hack writer. (laughs) Second guy, you're leaning on a ton of evidence that was generated versus some very poor quarterbacks. Their best performance versus a plus quarterback came in week two versus Cousins. Another guy said, what's funny is you expect people to read your trash. Another guy, this take got the engagement you were looking for, I guess. Another guy, exactly the opposite, Marcus. The offense hummed all season. Steichen had a huge influence on Hurts. Look at his improvement. Gaddon got pantsed by Reed and Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Um... Doggone passive zone finally blew up in their face. Another guy, horrible take. You need to watch the last two years when they played good quarterbacks. And Vikings quarterbacks don't fit into that category. Even Goff scored four times, uh, the last four times he touched the ball against them. So, like, another guy's got the, uh, what's the, the, the Goodfellas face? Oh, that's Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta laughing, laughing. laughing. Yeah. yeah. So, Do like, I amuse you? Am I a clown? Yeah, that. Yeah, like, uh, like on and on a bad take. Uh, yeah, probably not. Typical contrarian clickbait from Marcus Hayes. Someone wants attention. Bad take. Another guy. Are you high? Okay. All right. You know, how Marcus has a job amazes me. Nobody agrees with them. <laughs> Nobody agrees with them. He wrote this. I'm telling you. I just for the just on a for blanks and giggles. I just let me click on Marcus Hayes and let me see what the first 20 people wrote. Not one person was like, you know, you're right. We're gonna really miss him. They're all like. Dude, you're high. You're crazy. Yeah. This you're, you're, this ridiculous take. And there are certainly some people in our industry, there's no doubt, who, you mentioned the word contrarian, who are contrarians, who deliberately kind of take the other side just to rile people up, just to get people talking, just to get, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know Marcus from a hole in the wall. He could walk in here today. I wouldn't know who he is. I, I just, it was, I, whether it's right or wrong, ultimately, the big takeaway is we don't know. We don't. We can sit here and pretend like we know whether this is a good hire or not because, hey, Gannon's a rising star. He's filled with juice. He's got great energy. Or, man, Gannon's terrible. His defense was awful. He got humiliated by Patrick Mahomes. Man, they only dominated the bad quarterbacks. The truth of the matter is we won't know for game one, game six, game 12. We might not even know for the first two years whether the Cardinals got it right with Jonathan Gannon or not. Might not know. just... Don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, I only look. You included this story into your email to me. I included it in my email to you. Sure, because you were looking for angles as to what you were looking for an angle on Gannon that was different from what we talked about yesterday. Yes, and here was a guy that came out of the blue, 
came out of the blue and was like, this guy's great. They're going to miss him more than they miss Steichen. And part of his argument for that, to be fair to him as well, if you dig a little deeper in the column, part of his argument for why they're going to miss Gannon more than Steichen is he makes the argument that, that Steichen was, that it, it kind of took a village to build, build Philadelphia's offense. It's Sirianni, and it's the quarterback's coach, and it's this guy, and it's that guy, and that it's all kind of part of this big, larger sort of industry in Philadelphia that helped make that offense what it was, whereas Gannon, not only is he gone, but, you know, seven yeah. guys who contributed to the Super Bowl run, they're going to be gone too and you're going to realize really quickly how much you miss this guy. I don't know if he's right. I don't know who this source is that he spoke to. It's I don't know if he's a contrarian and he's just trying to do clickbait. I don't, many, many, many of these comments are like, you are just a contrarian, aren't you? No real basis for what you say as long as it's different and get people to respond. Um, there was just a, there was another one. Um, you know, what a surprise. The contrarian strikes again. So there is a lot of comments that that's, you know, he's just looking for something that's opposite of what everybody else yep. is thinking. And just because he wrote this doesn't mean I'm happier with the hire or I go, oh, good, okay. I got a columnist in Philly who says it's a great hire, therefore it's a great hire. Of course not. Of course not. Who, who thinks like that? Nobody thinks like that. It just was interesting to see the other side of the story presented. We're not going to know about Jonathan Gannon. We, it might take a whole year before we know whether he's a good hire or not. I'm curious to see. Who does he hire with his staff? Does he does it become a more popular hire if he hires Mike Zimmer to be his defensive coordinator? You know, does and it? I, I, I'm I, I, my I'm so in on Eric Bieniemy right now. Man, pay him whatever he wants. Yeah, pay him whatever he wants. I hope that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the I think it's going to be the the Cleveland quarterbacks coach by all indication is going. I hope you're right, man. I hope they just go after Bieniemy. How freaking hardcore. Ex- I would be more excited about Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator than I would be about Gannon as the head coach. <laughs> man, if you could get Eric Bieniemy, I agree to be your offensive coordinator. It'd be awesome. It'd be it'd be awesome. I'm just so that not way, if you my, decide to fire Gannon in a year or two, you've got a guy in place. I'm just not going to get my hopes up about that. Yeah, because I know it's not going to happen. I, I just I'm I'm not gonna. Oh, I wish I wish I wish I did that. I did that crap with Sean Payton three weeks ago. I'm not doing that again with Eric Bieniemy. I'm sorry, I'm not. Listen, I'm we, not gonna it, get my hopes up about it, that. It, Gannon's gonna be given every opportunity. We all have to give him every opportunity. He's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's see. Maybe he's a better. Maybe he's a better head coach. Maybe he's meant to be a head coach. Maybe he's a leader, and he's got to hire the right staff, and he's gonna figure figure this thing out. I mean, I'm this guy's worked his whole life for this opportunity. We got to give him the opp- We got to give him the chance to to see what he can do. And that's okay. What I and I know Philly fan doesn't care what I think, and Philly fans are notoriously grumpy anyway, but that's what I want to say to them all, is like, okay, just because you didn't like a scheme, or just because Patrick Mahomes torched him, or because Andy Reid outcoached him, that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad head coach. Right? That doesn't that, mean it. That doesn't. That doesn't. It's a different job. That is not evidence that he's going to be a bad head coach. It might be evidence that he was overmatched at times as a defensive coordinator, or that at the end of the day, I mean, look, what do we know about the NFL? At the end of the day. Good offense, good defense. Which you which would you rather have? Give me the good offense every day. Give me the good offense over the good defense every day. Because I think at the end of the day, you're going to win more games with a good offense than a good defense. I don't think that means he's a bad defensive coordinator necessarily. That's everything I learned. But do you believe it? In today's NFL, would you rather have a good offense or a good defense? I'd rather have a great defense. Really. I'm just. I'm sorry. I just. I, I'd rather That's have a fine. great defense. That's fine. I didn't apologize for that. Yeah. I, because and I'm not being a contrarian. I just really would rather Gambo, have a great defense. Nobody has ever accused you of being a contrarian. 
I assure yeah. you. I honestly don't know what it means. But it I means look it up. that you deliberately take in a. It's like you're playing the devil's advocate, and you don't really believe it. Okay. Like, I, I, I'm going to take the other side of the argument. It's what you and I have talked about all the time that we don't do on we our never, show. Right, we never do that. Like, sometimes some shows will say, okay, you take this side, I'll take that side, we'll yell at each other for 10 yeah. minutes. We don't do that. If you go to Marcus Hayes' Twitter account, and you find the story that he posted, and you read all the comments, there's not one that is supportive of his take on this article on Jonathan Gannon. Now, again, it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Maybe Gannon comes in here and he's a hell of a coach. If he hires the right staff and he's a leader, um, you know, but again, he's worked his whole life for this opportunity. I, I'm, now we've got to see what he can do. Now we'll find out. And we'll find out what he's all about tomorrow. Him. Yep, we do. We, it's, it's, he's the coach, and whether you like it, don't. Whether you're indifferent to it, it's here and it's happening, and we'll find out more about him tomorrow. When we come back, he didn't play a minute. He wasn't even in uniform. He was wearing a hoodie and a but you better believe, oh, you better believe he played a role in last night's win. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Inbounds it, and that'll do it. Suns win 120 to 109. The final score. They stay unbeaten in division play now, nine and zero against their Pacific Division foes. Thirty-two and twenty-seven on the season with their second straight win and fifth in their last six. It lifts everyone. You know, players. You know, you get a chance to to be energized by you know a, a great player walking into the building, and then you can't under, and underestimate the, the response and the reaction from the fans. You know. We, we thrive and, and you know, we're fueled by our fans and the atmosphere that our fans create. And so you can just see last night, even though he wasn't playing, you know, the fact that he was on the bench uh, had everyone um, up top all the way to the floor um, filled with joy. And it, it was a good environment for us. James Jones with us earlier today talking about one Kevin Durant who was there last night, not in uniform. It was very obvious there was another level of energy last night in that building from the fans and from the players to kind of impress Kevin Durant, to put on a show for Kevin sure. Durant, to show yeah. off for Kevin Durant a little bit, right? Yeah. Like fans too. We're going to be loud. We're going to be rambunctious. We're going to really go after it. I mean, listen, I think a lot of fans feel the same way Kay, uh, DeAndre Ayton does. Remember with DeAndre Ayton's press conference? You know, we talked about, man, God, that was K- it's KD. I got it right here. Let me play it for you. I'm really speechless, to be honest. We got KD. Ain't that something? That's what I ask myself all the time. Only thing I can do is possibly just make sure I'm ready to play. Because he's going to come ready to play and do what he got to do every night. So me just making sure I'm an anchor on this team and, you know, just doing the right thing, doing the right things to contribute to a win. Ain't that something? <laughs> I mean, I... What was the last thing you said? Ain't that something? Ain't no. that something? Mitch, 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 that something? Mitch made a little cut of that, and he just played it on his own. Ain't that something? But our fans yeah, think of the same thing. Yeah. KD, ain't that something? Yeah. And we got KD. Look, I was watching the game at home last night on TV, and I got to admit, I geeked out a little bit when I saw him. And he was just wearing a beanie and a hoodie. Is it not going to feel real until he plays in a game? I, Does it almost not even feel real until he actually puts the uniform on and plays? Um, yeah, and drops thirty-two on somebody as the Suns win by twenty to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, it's I, I'm excited. Okay, it's not just seeing him in uniform. Mm-hmm. 
there was, I can't remember who, one of the, the great people who cover the Suns right now, because I said earlier in the show, we're in a great period in history now where there's a lot of really talented people who are covering the Phoenix Suns. So my apologies to whoever did this. I can't remember who. Somebody tweeted out a video, and it's Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker, and they're all running a bunch of actions, right? Screens and getting the ball and trying to create open shots like this. And the person who tweeted it out pointed out, you can put Kevin Durant in any one of their shoes, and he can do exactly the same thing. Yeah, yes. So now you got four guys out there very who, adaptable. Can, who can pick and set and screen and roll and dive and shoot and stop. And it's your mind just like over all the things they can do right, when Kevin you, Durant's but, out there. But your mind also protects you. And the Suns fans have dealt with so much pain and suffering <laughs> that you don't want to get your hopes up. Because there's a very realistic, like, the Suns are going to kill everybody. They're going to go 11-1 in the Western Conference playoffs, and they're going to house Milwaukee or Boston in the finals. Because they've got Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Like it's, and their role play. Like they, so you, you don't want to get your hopes up. So your, your mind almost you know protects you from thinking that way sure. because you've dealt with... Um, is it suffering? You've you've dealt with that. Yes, there's been suffering. Check. You've dealt with it in the past. You've dealt with you know believing that your team is going to win, only to be let down. Yeah. So I do think there's a part of you that just like you in your mind, you're like freaking son's going to win this thing. But then you're like, okay, take a step back. Yeah. Okay, these guys are old. They've been in, Booker's been injured. Paul's been injured. KD's. This is the Phoenix Suns. Something's going to happen. So <laughs> this is just this is what happens. We're Suns fans. It's, Suns have been around for sixty years, and something always happens. Yeah, yeah. You know that's why when Eric came out with his poll question today, and it's basically who do you think's better than the Suns in the NBA? And I, you answered the Bucks and the Celtics, and I also answered the Bucks and the Celtics. But part of my motivation for answering that way was because I'm a forever Suns fan, and and I just don't want to put the bad juju on the Suns by saying nobody, heartbreak. nobody's better than the Suns. You've had so much heartbreak. I, I, oh my God, they've broken my heart countless times. Yeah. I, 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 so there's part of me. There's a mechanism somewhere in your brain that kind of protects you from going yeah. overboard that they're going to win it. But aren't like in the back of your mind, you're like the freaking Suns are going to win this thing. Who's better than them? Look, it, it really <laughs> them against. Denver, come on. It's so cliche, but it really is a health thing. And when you're dealing with two players who are in their mid to late 30s, who have missed their fair share of games over the last few years, that's that's the defense mechanism. That's the part of your brain that goes, okay, slow down, Turbo. Hold on just a second. Right. Before you go start buying T-shirts at NBA.com that say Phoenix Suns NBA Champions 2023, understand that you're building these dreams upon two players who are older and routinely hurt. And that's the part of me, I can't speak for you or anybody else out there, that's the part of my brain that goes, slow the hell down on this, relax, chill out, and see what happens. Because there's, I mean, what is, what's today, February 15th? Mm-hmm. The finals will end on about June 15th. we got a long way to go, long way to go. If this thing is really from now to when it all ends and to think that everything's just going to be rainbows and daffodils from here until the end of the NBA finals. No. And that's my defense mechanism. It's the injuries. It and it's could like, be. Slow down. It could be. They could come it out there and, could and be. they could play 20 games with that group and go 18 and freaking two. OK, they could. They could go 18 and 2 and just wipe the floor with everybody if they're playing to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. Now, there might be some load management on these guys and that's why they they probably, you know, will lose more games than that because they want to keep everybody healthy. Um 
But listen, I mean, if, if there's one guy, like, I was thinking about this earlier, because, you know, what's the odds that all three of those guys are going to get through the rest of the regular season and all of the playoffs unscathed? I hope they do. And if they do, I don't think, you know, then maybe they do win. Um, but if you were going to, if somebody was going to miss some time, I think it's Paul. I think that they oh, can totally still. Oh, totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. As good as he, had, yeah. he had 19 assists last yeah. night. He's the guy you can say, let's give him the night off. Let's, you know, second right. night of a back-to-back. Let's sit Could Chris you Paul win with one. Durant, Booker, Aiton, and campaign as your starter? Yeah, I think so. Like, if you were, if one of those guys had to miss a few games in a playoff series. I think it'd be... I, I Honestly, I think it's Chris. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about regular season. No, You're playoff talking about series. Playoff season. My apologies. Um, Chris would be the one that I would sacrifice in a moment like that, yeah. I think it is Chris. If I could choose. I, I, but we're sacrificing a guy who's the smartest basketball player on the court every time he takes the court against anybody. But that, again, is the beautiful thing about Durant, is that you've you've taken... We're talking about load management. We have just taken a lot of the load off of Chris Paul. Oh, so much yeah, of the load off of Chris Paul. They were winning games with Ben Simmons, who's going to be out of the league in a couple of months. <laughs> I know. Like, there's not a team out there that's going to touch Ben Simmons with a 10-foot pole. The so, guy's freaking terrible. I know. And you were winning games, and he was your point guard. I mean, look, the, the Suns might reasonably, they might end up as the number two seed in the West. They're not that far off. They're not going to get one. They're not going to get one. I don't think they get two either. I think it's a five-game difference. Three and a half. How many in a loss column? Uh, five in the loss column, They're but only, get, only two in the win it. column. Um, I think the reason why is because I don't think that they care as much about that as as probably not as you as, no, as people may think. Because no, I think what matters more is. Because we went through it. How many back-to-backs are there? They, they keep, they're not going to play everybody on back-to-backs. No, they're not. And, and, and I want to make this clear. I don't care if they get to number two. I, I, just Now, suddenly, this thing that looked so impossible three weeks ago, they're within three and a half games of the number two spot. I don't care if they get it or not. I really don't. I, I don't I don't care if they're four or five. It doesn't matter. It, the only thing that matters is they go into the postseason as healthy as possible and, and as deep as possible. And that's it. That's all I care about. I don't care what there number is. There are four is. back-to-backs. Backs between now and the and the rest of the season. Yeah. Right, right. And, Four times they got to go back to back. And if they're wise, they'll manage minutes for Paul in those games. They'll manage minutes for Durant in those games. If they're wise, they'll they'll sit all three. If they have, if they're to, wise, they'll sit all three. Yep. If they have to, just hey, we don't do, do the Steve Kerr philosophy. Yep. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul are out tonight. Fine. Fine. That's why I don't think they. I don't think they make up the five right. game difference. You're That's probably, why you're probably right because I don't think they care about it, and, and I don't care either. I, I was just bringing it up more as a conversation. Like, man, they're actually getting there. They're, they're not. They're not that far off because you had said something about them going like eighteen and two over the last twenty games. Like, I, if they wanted to, like, if they wanted to, they could. I just don't think they will because I don't important. think the games matter. Yeah, it's just not important at all. Text us your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns. We're obviously fired up about it. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at six twenty six twenty. What is Jonathan Gannon gonna bring to the Arizona Cardinals? According to many, Jew. Lots and lots and lots of juice. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If Cliff Kingsbury is your chill coach, even keeled guy, Jonathan Gannon is your fired up, let's go, high energy guy. It's all going to be about Kyler, as we know, and this is a totally different personality than Kingsbury. 
Say what you want about Cliff's offensive genius. He is not going to be one shouting at you. He is not going to be one giving you this motivational speech on a Saturday that's going to have you ready to run through a wall. Cliff is mm. the ultimate play designer and also the guy that's going to be there for you through thick and thin and be the same consistent deal. Jonathan Gannon's whole mantra in, in Philadelphia was, we are going to be upbeat. We are going to be high energy. We're going to be up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. And also, we might talk a little bit of, uh, 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 uh. this is a guy that has a bunch of juice to him. Good. And I think that's what really drew them in Philadelphia, in Arizona. <laughs> oh, body, oh, body. Uh, 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 uh. Life goes on. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Me now for the next several days. Ain't that something? Yeah. Uh huh. I would listen, imagine. You, so. you, listen, I you want different right now. You do want different. Um, Cliff was not a total disaster here, and I think sometimes people make it out like he was. He's even drawing coaching interest, right? He didn't get the the Texans job, but there were reports that he was talking with the Ravens Correct. Yep. about a job. They, you know, they went went from five wins to eight wins to 11. They made the playoffs. Like, it wasn't a total disaster. He didn't get fired after the first year, the second year, the third year. Um, got a contract extension. But it was time for a change. I mean, his voice, it, 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 he wasn't getting through to the players anymore. They was st- they didn't quit on him. They didn't quit on him. No. But I don't know that they believed in him anymore. I think that's the right way to say it. They didn't quit on him. But they didn't, I don't think that they believed that he was the guy that could get them to where they needed to no, go. No, I, I think, boy, Boy, that's a we're spinning this into a different a different direction here, and I like it because we haven't really gone through this. I I, I think Cliff's biggest mistake was that culturally he just created an environment where it was really easy to slack off if you were a player, and that there were we all want to believe that every single professional athlete is going to be a professional athlete from the minute they walk into the room to the minute they leave. And the truth of the matter is that oftentimes professional athletes are are just like anybody else in the workplace environment. Some of them work harder than, than others. Some of them come in and, and they're they're not quite as driven. They're a little bit lazier. They're, you know, they slack. They cut corners. They And, and I think Cliff, that was his big, I think his uh, two things. Number one. He never should have gotten the extension, and, and that's that, that's not a hindsight thing for me. I didn't like it when he got it. I, I wasn't a fan of him getting the extension when he got it. I wanted him going into the final year of his contract because I, I just didn't feel like it was time for a five-year extension like that. But number two, I, I think Cliff just created this environment where you could be a few minutes late for a meeting or you could kind of dog it on a rep or you could cut a corner here or cut a corner there, and it just didn't really seem to be any ramifications for for that I, I feel like that was now. Does does Jonathan Gannon come in here and does his high energy, filled with juice way? Do, does he does he prevent that? Right? Does he create an environment where that's not going to be tall? I hope so because I think that's the biggest thing that needs to change from Cliff Kingsbury. Accountability is that accountability and that idea that you can cut corners. And if that's what a high energy, filled with juice kind of guy like Jonathan Gannon is going to do, then the Cardinals could be better for. Because I think that was Cliff's biggest failure. I yeah, really do. I. Th- I think that that's the most important thing too. I think, I think the accountability and making sure that you know you want to respect your coach, and there was a feeling that Kyler, like you know, didn't respect Cliff, and you know, especially like those like those antics can't be tolerated. You can't have what happened between Kyler and Hop, and Kyler and um, you know, especially Kyler and Cliff. You kind of get the feeling that Cliff didn't have full control over the situation then, and you know, not that the inmates were running the asylum, but. 
That was the word that was used so many times throughout the year. Accountability was probably used more than anything else. And, but once Cliff established that this is the type of coach I am, then it's hard to now, now I got to be the bad guy. Now I got to be the, you know, the, the jerk. Now, because that's not going to happen, you know? So I think after years of establishing the, the coach bro, whatever you want to call it, he wasn't able to just pivot and change it to now I'm going to be a disciplinary. I'm going to hold guys accountable. Yeah. Now the organization did it a couple of times. They cut, they cut, you know, Benjamin, mm-hmm. right? They did it a couple of times, but that wasn't Cliff. That was the organization making that decision. Yeah, to do those and, and look, and organizationally, let's be honest, they were lost all year. I, I mean, it was just the, the whole calendar 2022 year. They were just adrift. We, I used that word yesterday, and I believe that. Now, Gannon comes in here, and okay, so stylistically, and that was Peter Schrager, by the way, this morning on Good Morning Football, who talked about how drastically different Cliff Kingsbury and Jonathan Gannon are going to be. Not just because Gannon comes in here, and he's got pep in his step, and he's got juice, and he's got energy, you know, but I, I, that doesn't mean it's going to be different. What I do like about Gannon compared to Cliff is that Cliff... I mean, yeah, he spent a little bit of time in the NFL. Cliff was a college coach. And if we're being honest about it, he wasn't a particularly good college coach. They didn't win a ton of games in Texas Tech. No. Jonathan Gannon is an NFL guy. He is a lifer in the National Football League. Scout, assistant coach, quality control. He's been on good teams. He's been on bad teams. He's been in the league for a young guy. He's been in the league a long, long time. I would think a guy like that, juice or no, would have a better idea categorically of how to be a good NFL coach. Right, Just because he's been in the NFL for as long as he has, I think he's going to have a better idea of what works and what doesn't than maybe a Cliff Kingsbury would. I, I think fundamentally, institutionally, there's just some knowledge about the NFL that Gannon has that Cliff didn't that will really better serve him to be a head coach in this league than Cliff. I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree. I mean, 15 years of experience in the NFL compared to no years of experience in the NFL. Look, and that's why you know we say this all the time about other coaches – Look, maybe Cliff Kingsbury gets another. Maybe he goes to the Ravens or he goes to a team and he, you know, and he does a good job as an offensive coordinator and he gets another shot somewhere. And at that time, I guarantee we sit there. Okay, he learned from the Cardinals. He learned what you because what you do is you learn what not to do. Yeah, you may yes. not learn what to do, but you definitely learn what not to do the first time you get fired from a job. Here's more from um, Schrager this morning on Good Morning Football. On you know, kind of came down to Jonathan Gannon and. Lou Anarumo, what separated the two in his mind? Came down to two names. Lou Anarumo, okay? Different type of deal. Older coach. Mm-hmm. Guy who was with Cincinnati for the last several years. And Jonathan Gannon, who even the Eagles said is probably just a rental because he is that hot a candidate. The first year didn't go as perfect as they wanted. Second year was great. And now Gannon's gone and he's going to Arizona. But I think the energy and the juice and the culture that he'll bring is a little different than Kingsbury. Nothing negative about Kingsbury. But this one is just, let's go, yeah. let's go. Let's see if that works for Kyler. Maybe the other time he kind of ran his course. I do wonder if history will be a little kinder to Cliff the further he gets away from it. Because it, it, it wasn't, you know, it ended poorly, obviously. The last year was a disaster. It wasn't all bad under Cliff. They, they did accomplish some things. Yeah. They did do, I mean, Kyler. Their offense was, for, for until last year, the offense was like in that top 10 range for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. With It just wasn't. 
When he came in from Texas Tech, what they sold you on was this offense is going to be dynamic. They're going to push the pace. They're going to do all these things. They're going to play so fast. And, you know, I'm not sure what we were expecting, like a Chip Kelly-type offense or something. never got there. But it wasn't anything that was any different than anybody else's offense in the NFL. There was nothing different about it. It never got there. It it never – I mean, if you're – I can't remember who wrote it. We talked about it at one point during the season, late in the season. Like, if you're going to hire a Cliff Kingsbury to be your head coach, you have to have a great offense. You have to score a bunch of points, right? You, that's that's mandatory at that point if you're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury. And it never, it never ever really got there quite all the way. Uh, Gannon's introductory press conference is tomorrow at 10 a.m. We'll carry it live here on Arizona Sports. You'll hear every word about it. We'll be on it straight up two o'clock, breaking down not only that but Kevin Durant's press conference as well. It's going to be a really busy day tomorrow here for Arizona Sports. Today was also the introductory press conference for Brian Flores the defensive coordinator for the Vikings, and who this time a week ago basically withdrew his name from consideration for the Cardinals' head coaching job. He was supposed to have a second interview with them and decided not to do it to go be the Vikings' D.C. Here's what he said word for word today when asked about the Cardinals' situation. There's still some, uh, an opportunity with Arizona. Uh, like I said, you know, you, you, you almost you get a gut feeling. I think we've all kind of had those that... Um, you know, this was the place for, for me and my family. Um, this was the right opportunity. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I was in church a couple weeks ago as this was all going on. And the pastor's name, uh, Brian Edmonds in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, he's, he said in life you can, there's instances where you can either have control or you can have growth, and you can't have both. Um, and that kind of, you know, that, 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 that hit me pretty, pretty good. Um, and uh, I just felt like this was a great opportunity for growth. I wonder what his gut told him was wrong with the Cardinals. Because I'm a big believer in gut instinct, kind of listening to that like inner voice, like, it was a bad idea, don't do this. Go back to Ken Summers' article. How many times have they had 10 losses in a season? The 18 times out of their 35 years here. Like, what, did, did his gut tell him, hey, man, at the end of the day, this is not a great job, don't take it? Or did his gut tell him, hey, man, at the end of the day, you're not going to get the gig. Don't give them the second interview. They're going to go somewhere. They're going to hire somebody else. I, I wonder specifically what his gut was telling him was wrong with the Cardinals, that it was going to be a bad job if he took it, or that he was never really going to get it if he got that second interview. We'll Which never I, know. We'll never know. I'd probably lean towards one. That, is a bad, that it was a bad job, that he wasn't going to have success here? He had a connection with Monty Austin for it. Like, he had the connection there. Like, you know, there had to be... Like, so to think that he wasn't going to get, it wasn't like he didn't know anybody there. Like, yeah. there was that connect. We always thought that that was the reason Flores may get the job. That's is because of the connection with Monty Austin for it. Yeah, that's true. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Phoenix Suns, huge decision, obviously, to bring KD to the Valley. There are other decisions looming for this team now that KD is here. We'll run through some of them next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what? on tonight. All right, Coyotes hockey is on tonight. They're taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning at Mullet Arena. That game starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here, Arizona Sports, the Arizona Sports app, 98.7. We'll have it all for you. As the Coyotes tick-tock, tick-tock, getting closer and closer to that trade deadline in the Ooh. NHL. Where is Jacob Chikrin going to go? Gonna and be... how many first-round picks is Bill Armstrong going to get for him? Los Angeles, perhaps? Probably. I mean, they've had a, they're having a good season, and they've got a lot of assets. They've got a lot of good young players in their draft picks. So, 
you know, there's there's team Boston wants him, but I don't think that Boston has the talent like the out of the, the draft pick compensation the talent to get him. But all eyes are on Jacob Trick uh, Chicken right now in the possible trade. All right, so locally that's what's on tonight. Looking around the association tonight, uh, good game on ESPN right now. Just got underway. The Cavs taking on the Sixers just started. Uh, later tonight, you've got Dallas versus Denver. Although I just read that Kyrie Irving has been ruled out for that game. Got some back issues. For Kyrie Irving? For Kyrie Irving. You won't play for Dallas. Uh, New Orleans against the Lakers tonight. That's also Utah versus Memphis is coming up later tonight. So some decent games in the NBA, um, but locally the Coyotes. That's what's on tonight. Uh, we've got bonus burns and gamble because of the Coyotes. We're going to be on until 6.30 tonight, so you got that to look forward to as well. Um, the Suns, one more game tomorrow against the Clippers, and then they don't play for eight days. Uh, next game will be next Friday against Oklahoma City, and we are expecting that that will be the first game for Kevin Durant in the Suns uniform. We don't know for sure. We had James on earlier today. He said the timetable for Kevin Durant to play is TBD, to be determined. We'll see. But he should be back by then or shortly thereafter with about 20 games to go. Gambo, there are other decisions this organization needs to make. Um, probably none more pressing than the one with Ish Wainwright yeah. after one more game. And I think that it's a foregone conclusion that Ish is going to get extended to the end of the year. But you don't make that decision now because say your point guard goes down tomorrow and you'd you, be like, okay, I, if your point guard's out for the year, you may want to use that roster spot to go get a point guard in the buyout market. So I don't think you, you don't have to make the decision until after tomorrow's game. You just never know what's going to happen. You don't need to do it now. And the only reason you don't do it now is because you just wait and make sure you come through that game healthy. Because if there is an injury at a position that you don't have a lot of depth at, you may say, okay, listen, we love Ish, but we've got to make sure that we're protected here at this position. And and I didn't set this up very well if you don't know what we're talking about. Tomorrow, um, Ish can play one more game under a two-way contract. After that, he has to be converted to a standard contract. They can't continue to keep him on as a two-way player. The Suns do have a roster spot available, so it's a very easy conversion if they want, but when we had James on earlier, he said you, you just don't do it early because there's no reason to. They, no. We've got one more game. We're going to take one more game before we make the decision. James didn't give us any reason to think that they wouldn't do it. He spoke very glowingly about Ish. Anybody who's watched Suns basketball this year, Ish Wainwright has been a very valuable contributor, at times essential contributor to them, especially Especially what they went through with all those missing guys, there is zero reason to believe that his contract won't get converted into a standard deal. They're just, you know, they've got one more game. They're going to take one more game. That's the way James made it sound. Yeah, like there's so many guys on this bench. Like we, we talked about this yesterday. T.J. Warren played for seven minutes. Darius Baisley didn't play at all. Right. So Baisley doesn't play at all, and TJ gets seven minutes in the basketball game. That's because they trust the Koji, and they trust Saban Lee, and Damian Lee, and Jacques, Jacques Landell, and the guys that are playing, like Dave, those guys got a lot of extensive minutes with all the injuries the Suns had. Landry, campaign, Booker, Paul, like there's been so many injuries that they, Cam Johnson when he was here. That they took advantage of it, and those—that's why we said like it's so hard to find somebody 
out there on the street that's going to come in and play more minutes than the guys that you've already had because they've kind of established themselves and they've done a good job. Now, one of those guys they went out and got was Terrence Ross. And we asked James today if Ross would be available tomorrow. And, he, and, and the injury report says, yes, he's going to be available tomorrow. Uh, James wouldn't commit to whether he's going to play tomorrow night or not, but it does sound like he's going to be available. James also did talk about Terrence Ross's fit with the Phoenix Suns now that he's officially signed with them after getting bought out from the Magic. On the profile, the type of player you know that that we need, you know, athletic, score, uh, can play with the starters, come off the bench. Um, you know, I, I love offense. I'll, I'll never turn down a guy who is inclined or has a, a preference for playing offense. And I just think where he is in his career, you know, he's a guy that's played on, on really good teams. He's played in some rebuilding situations. He's basically accepted whatever role the team needed from, from him, um, and, and and he's demonstrated his desire. To, to win. He wants to compete for a title and, and we thought it would be a good fit for him and he thought the same. Here's kind of the way I look at it with these final 21 games, 22 games, whatever the exact number is. We know who the core four are for the Phoenix Suns. That goes without saying. We know when the playoffs start, the Suns are probably going to play eight deep, maybe nine at the most. Who are those other guys? Right? Like who, who are the other five? Who are the other guys who get because I think on the fringes, is Terrence Ross going to be one of those guys to be determined? All right, the first thing you think of is you've got to have a backup point guard to play those minutes. Agreed. That Chris, that Devin Booker's, is one of those that guys. Devin Booker's not taking it. So, uh, you know, you would think that if campaign is healthy, it's him. If he's not healthy, it's Sabin Lee. So one of those two. So just let's say campaign. you got to have a backup center. Okay, um, either Biz, Landale or Biz. Biz. Landale's been getting most of the playing time lately. It he has. Like. I kind of think that they like you know for bit, but but defensively, Biz's ability to block shots and stuff depending on matchups. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of those guys. Look, Koji's defense. He's playing. Like a, and Damian Lee's three point shooting. He's playing. So either Campaign or Saban. That's one. Either Biz or Landale. That's two. Damian Lee, three, because he's been a great three-point shooter, especially from the corner. Okoji, four, because he just brings incredible defensive presence. So now you're at eight guys right there. there. And I would think Terrence Ross, because of the... uh, And then would be... And Ross, him and TJ Warren. Ish, TJ. And see, that's my point is that now, okay, once you do the exercise the way you just did it, I got 10 guys uh, getting minutes. Uh, uh, but I, I think in the playoffs, when rotations sh- kind of naturally shrink and shorten, that it might not necessarily be 10 in the postseason. It might be nine in the postseason. It might be eight in the postseason. And that's where these last 20 games to kind of look at Terrence, look at, not that you need to look at Ish, but look at TJ Warren. Warren, who like you, a guy you didn't even mention, Landry Shamit. What role does he I have? I don't, I don't think uh, he has a role. You know, right and, now, I don't think he plays. And unless he comes back off of his foot injury and just lights it mm-hmm. up, I don't know if he does either. Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen is you've got older guys, too. If the schedule is like it was last year, where you play every other day without having the two days off in between, yeah. that's a brutal schedule. You may, you, know, you might lean on some guys a little bit more because of the injuries you've had and the age you've had. The other thing you could do, too, is you could say, look, these guys, all my main guys are going to play 30 for four, 35 minutes. So you could still play 10 guys, but those guys, instead of guys that normally get 12 to 15 minutes a game, might be more like seven to 10 minutes a game. I just want to see. Give me just a minute here. What are you looking for? I was going to look and see the the postseason minutes when they went 
to the finals. I'm just curious about, I don't know if I can find that here on a moment's notice, but I was just sort of curious to see, you know, how many minutes when they went to the finals, how many minutes did guys play, right? How many minutes compared did, to what they played in the regular season? Or, or just like when they shrunk the rotation. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm looking right now at um, okay, that I want the year before. Give me one more minute here. I, I want I want the year they went to the NBA Finals. In the postseason, okay, I got it right here. In the postseason, minutes-wise, minutes per game, all right? Here we go. Devin Booker played 40 minutes per game. DeAndre Ayton played 36. Chris Paul played 34. Jay Crowder played 33. Mikel Bridges played 32. That's five. Okay. Cam Johnson played 21. That's six. Cameron Payne played 19. That's seven. The next highest minutes guy, your eighth guy, was Tory Craig. He played 12. 12. Your next guy after that was Dario. Nine. He played 10 and a half minutes per game. Then after that, big drop off to Langston Galloway at number 10. So during the finals run, when the they Suns nine played, guys. they used nine guys. Mm-hmm. They used nine, and number nine played about 10 minutes per game, and number eight played about 12 minutes per game. They played seven guys who basically played 20 minutes per game or more, give or take a minute. Yeah, you rely on your, your stars to win playoffs. And series. I suspect it will be very similar this year, too. And I think a lot of this is going to be an, kind of an open audition. Who's guy number seven? Who's guy number eight? Who's guy number six? Who's the guy who's going to get those minutes in the postseason? Because those that's when it's crunch time for this team, obviously. you know. And there's going to be some games, because they're so good, there's going to be some games where they blow teams out. And that's when you're going to try to rest these guys Hell and get those extra yeah. guys some minutes. So, I mean, I would imagine they, you know, that they would play 10 consistently in the playoffs. Bonus Burns and Gambo is coming up Let's next. Let's do it. We'll take your ride until 630. That includes a little hockey talk with our own Luke Lipinski. He'll join us next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. A little bonus Burns and Gambo today as we get you set for the Coyotes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Looking forward to that uh, game. And joining us from down at the Mullet Arena, our uh, co-host of the Luke and Wolf show, Luke Lipinski. Luke, how are you, my friend? Doing good, Gambo. How you doing, man? Good. This should be a good game tonight. The uh, I'm always looking forward to Coyotes Lightning games, but I wanted to I wanted to chat with you just as we get close to this deadline, knowing that Jacob Chikrin is out, that he's going to remain out of the lineup until he gets traded. Fascinating. We knew this day was going to come. We knew eventually that they were going to trade him, but it, you know this was this was when they when they. Got him in the draft when they signed him to that contract. There was so much hope that he would be a big part of the Coyotes' future. But it just, you know, he just wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to contend. And the Coyotes are going to be in a rebuilding process for the next few years. Yeah, you know, it's a tough spot because when you are in the position they are, you understand teams are going to come calling for some of your players. And a lot of times you'll deal those guys away, right, if they're an unrestricted free agent or they're not part of your future. Obviously, Chikrin, with that contract and what he can do, 
could certainly be part of a rebuild, but like you said, it, it, you know, it sounds like both sides have sort of agreed to the fact that they're going to move him. So you're in this weird spot now where he was playing really good hockey, and yet you understand why the Coyotes, why Bill Armstrong would be like, if we're going to trade you, they're probably going to trade him for something big. I mean, they're asking for first-round picks and prospect or prospects, so you don't you just can't risk him getting hurt. But it is, it's a weird spot to be in because they've picked up points in seven of their last eight games, and he's arguably their best player, and he's just sitting out. You know, I go back to the to, to that that trade, and um, you know, one of the one of the best moves that Chaika made. And he didn't make many good moves, but man, when the Red Wings wanted to get rid of Pavel Datsoik's contract, he wasn't going to play. But there was seven or eight million dollars tied to that contract, and the Coyotes had all that cap space, and they had to get to the floor. They're like, all right, we'll we'll take Pavel Datsoik's cap money onto our onto our cap, and then we'll just swap picks. So the Coyotes. Were were able to move up and, and get to the 16th pick in the draft instead of the 20th, and that put them in a position to get Jacob Chikrin. So without that trade, it's possible that he doesn't even end up with the Coyotes. So in some ways, you got to thank, thank Pavel Datsoik for, for why Chikrin ended up here. You know, you're, you're spot on. Some of the best trades they've made over the last couple of years have been them just taking on somebody else's contract, and then they move up. And I mean, that pick right there, ironic because Jacob Chickren's exactly what Detroit needs and you know he's exactly what a lot of playoff teams need so it's it's a very valuable asset to have but you know, it even goes back to Bill Armstrong a couple years ago making that trade to Philadelphia where he got Shane Goss there and literally didn't give up anything he just took on some salary so if you if you were smart about it you can do that that's that's really helped the Coyotes out but Chickren's been one of their best picks man maybe ever really but certainly in like the last 10 years so it's it's going to be tough I'm sure for them to move him but it's also the guy you're going to get the most back for, and if they're really committed to this rebuild, on some level it makes some sense. How much uh, he? How much do you think it's helped that he's played so well since he's since he came back before they sat him out no. for good? Yeah, no, I mean that's huge because nobody has nobody questions what he can do around the league. The only knock on him has been the injury. And so for him to be hurt again, you know, teams are still going to want him, but are teams willing to give Bill Armstrong what he wants for him? Because, you know, ultimately, if you're Bill Armstrong, you don't have to trade him in theory, but, you know, knowing that, that he kind of wants to move on to a contender and they've kind of come to peace with that, you do, but you don't have to to the point where you give him away for nothing. And so for him to come back and play and be putting up points the way he was putting up points and making everybody around him better, I mean, that just, his stock is about as high as it can get right now. Well, listen, you hit on something I think is very important here. And there's a lot of teams that have interest in Jacob Chikrin. I mean, we know L.A. does. We believe the Bruins do, but I don't think they have what it takes to get him. The Oilers, the Leafs, the Sabres. There's a lot of interest in Chikrin around the league. I asked Bill Armstrong how many teams have called about him. Every team in the league has called called about Chikrin, like every team in the league. But if Bill doesn't get what he wants, he can always trade him at the draft. So if he doesn't get what he's looking for, and we we believe the asking price is two first-round picks and a prospect, if he doesn't get that from somebody, he doesn't have to trade him. He can wait until the draft and trade him. No, it's it's, it's a great point, and it's it's a good bit of leverage because Chikrin has played and played well, and he's been a pro about it, and he's got a lot of friends on this team. It's not like he hates it here. It's just you can see that it's going to take a couple years here to get back to where they want to get to unless they get Connor Bedard, so... You understand why Jacob Chickren's ready to move on to a place, but you know if, if it came down to it where teams just weren't making good offers, I'm sure they could go to Chickren and be like, look, you know, we're going to work with you. We'll move you in the summer, but we're not just going to move you for nothing. I think the point that, uh, that you made, though, that they have enough pieces that there's going to be a little bit of a bidding war, 
that alone should be able to get it done. And they still have two weeks here to get it done, too. Yeah. They don't have to rush it. And listen, I think a lot of people aren't you know, thinking about the other things. Like That's not the only move they're going to make. Shane Gostas Bear, who has been injured, but, you know, he's a guy that's, and I think, is he back tonight? He, they are juggling their lineup right now if it's going to be Gossip Bear or Liam O'Brien or okay. both. So we're going to right. find out in like 15 minutes. All right. And I think that what they wanted to do is get Gossip Bear back, you know, as soon as possible. He's a guy because of his ability on the power play to really help somebody. I could see Armstrong trading Gossip Bear as well because I think that's a guy that teams will look at and say, okay, I don't have to give up a tremendous amount to get him, but you could get something for him. He's a good player that can help somebody. Yeah, he's sort of the more traditional guy you would trade in this situation because he does produce offense in the blue line. A lot of teams don't have that, or they at least need it in the playoffs. As, as much as I like Gossip Bear, though, you're not you're not necessarily building around him, right? So it, you don't you don't have to you don't have to take a huge step back if you move him. So yeah, I, I mean Edmonton has has called about him too, I'm sure, and they, they were looking at Nick Bukestead too. I mean Edmonton's always looking for pieces because. They can't seem to win a playoff series even with Connor McDavid. So you get a desperate team like that, and you'll get a good return. Yeah, no question. I think you could probably even get a second-round pick for maybe a first, but probably a second. The other guy I'm looking at being traded as well is Nick Bukestad. Uh, I, I think he could go. When you talk about third-line centers, that teams are looking for somebody to be a third-line center with some size, Nick's a guy that I think teams could look at and say, okay, with his experience, his size, a third-line center for sure, a good team may want to trade for him yeah he's got a good reputation around the league too i mean like you just said you you put him on a on a championship contender and he slides down to third line center like i think tonight he's going to start as the first line center here but i mean if you put him on a team that's fighting for the stanley cup he's an excellent third liner he's a really good teammate he makes the guys around him better that's the sort of guy that you know when you win the stanley cup teams typically look back and they're like, yeah, we made this trade that's kind of under the radar at the deadline, but then you see the guy winning face-offs in, the, in Game 7 of a series and contributing some offense, too. Like, uh, Absolutely, they're going to get calls on him if and, they haven't already. And I think, surprisingly, he's been pretty good for them this year for the Coyotes. He, he has. He's been better for them than he was in his last couple stops. Like, sure. he was, he Minnesota, was a, you know, Pittsburgh, yep. yep. Yeah, he's been much better for the Coyotes than he was in either of those places, so his value is higher than probably they expected at the start of the year. Yeah, no, he's playing his best hockey since he was in Florida, and after Florida, he went to Pittsburgh, he was in Minnesota, you know, wasn't that good with Minnesota, but, you know, 13 goals, 10 assists in 54 games, he's playing some of his best hockey. So those are the guys I would think. Anybody else you think could be on the market for them to trade, or just those three? Those would be the main three. I mean, you know, you hear rumblings about uh, Carol Vamelka. I, I would, I would no assume way. and kind of hope that they don't trade him. I, I've told you this before, but you talk to you interview these guys during the game or after the game, and they all, to a man, will, will whether you bring up Vamelka or not, they bring up how how big he is in that locker room and to this team having a chance. So, you know, this team, even though the record's not great as as players, they still believe they can win most nights, and it's because of Vamelka. So, I, I would assume he doesn't get moved. I'm sure they'll get calls about him. There may be another vet or two move, but for the most part, Armstrong's kind of put in some of the, the younger pieces now that, that they're going to start to build around, so he's not going to move those guys. No, listen, they are, and they're playing. I mean, you know, the, the win against Vegas, the win against the, the 5 not the win against the Blues, that they had a great win against Minnesota last Monday, and then the Nashville win. Like, you know, they're playing a much better brand of hockey right now. They give themselves the chance to win. Even their losses, right? They lost to Chicago in overtime, St. Louis in overtime, Anaheim in overtime. Even their losses, they're, they're, they're in these games. 
Yeah, they are, and, and a lot of that's you know that's a testament to their coach and Andre Turney. But yeah, four, one, and three in their last eight games, they played some really good teams. This is a harder time of year when these teams they're playing are desperate for the points, and it's you know it's guys like Clayton Keller and Barrett Hayton and Lawson Kraus that are are producing, and those are the guys that you're building around. So yeah, you're not going to move those guys. So if, if you're if you're rebuilding, you at least want to see your younger players that you're that are going to be your core. You want to see them be the guys that are producing, and they really have been. All right, Luke, always appreciate it. We'll be listening to you tomorrow uh, from 10 to 2 on the Luke and Wolf Show. Enjoy the Coyotes and the Lightning tonight from the Mullet Arena. Sounds good. Thanks, Gambo. Uh, you got it. That's Luke Lipinski. Talk a little Coyotes hockey. Always love the chance to do that. Getting excited for what Bill Armstrong could do, rebuilding that organization. And Jacob Chikrin, do they trade him now? I think they will. But if, he, if Bill doesn't get what he wants, he can absolutely wait and trade him at the draft. The other guys I'm hearing, they could try to move Shane Gostas Bear and Nick Bukestad. I think they could move him too. Good, uh, good second, third line center for a team.